Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. Welcome to Paid in Puke! This season, we're discussing every episode of Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story miniseries, Impeachment, starring Sarah Paulson and Beanie Feldstein. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Christina Barr. I'm Annie Malone. And today we're talking about episode five, Do You Hear What I Hear? Written by Hallie Pfeiffer and directed by Laurie de Clement Tonnerre. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I butchered this woman's name last time and again. En français, please. <laughs> S'il vous plaît. <laughs> I saw the witness list for the Paula Jones suit and your name is on it. I'm on a witness list, and you got a subpoena. What if they ask about you? I can't commit perjury. Mrs. Jones, this is a deposition. You're required to answer these questions. They have no idea how hard it's about to get for him. We just need copies of your tapes. Somebody has told them something. I'm going to deny it, and it'll be over. It originally aired on October 5th, 2021. It's an action-packed episode that ushers both Linda and Monica past the point of no return. It's also a Christmas episode. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas 1997. Does everyone remember where they were in Christmas 1997? Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, I was a freshman in college. That was my first time coming home from college for Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would have been a sophomore in college, and that would be the last time I came home for Christmas. I was 25, and I was living with my old internet boyfriend, and I think we went to New Jersey and visited my family, New York and New Jersey. I almost always went to New York for Christmas until, like, I had kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. New York at Christmas time. Uh, it opens with a rare Monica kind of taking it easy and breezy at a Tex-Mex <laughs> bar. Like for five seconds, she kind of gets to be a normal yeah. 20-something. She meets Jake Tapper, who is a future CNN sports anchor. Yeah. Is there a backstory there? Like- Apparently that sort of really happened where he did ask her out. It did happen exactly like that. Like they met at a party and then he asked her out on a date and they went on a date. Oh, wow. And then he years later wrote about it for money because yeah. he's a dick well yeah and the scene and his buddy is like oh i heard she worked at the white house and it's like his ears perked up yeah and he like went over there to talk to her i know so it sucks when he says this is a date and she gets so excited or not you know not excited but she's like oh that's nice someone's right, treating yeah. me well for once right. DC must be like one of the most exhausting places to be single and to be dating. Yeah. It seems like more toxic than Hollywood. It's more toxic and the people are generally less attractive. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And worse, bad people because it's just all of the toxicity. There's almost no good people there, right? Nobody with pure motivations. Right. And when they are of pure motivations, like Monica Lewinsky, they get chewed up and spit out. Yeah. It was really hard to watch this episode for Monica. Like, I was just feeling for her more than I have in these other episodes so far for some reason in this particular episode. I feel like a theme in this episode is people pretending to give a shit about a victim and actively stabbing them in the back while pretending to give a shit. Yeah, and and that that Linda is the one who, like, <laughs> is her lifeline for support, emotional support. Yeah, and like, least... her mom and friends have disappeared. I don't know where they yeah, all went, but right. they're not and here now. Her friend that was giving good advice. And for me, yeah, that. like, the, the scene where Linda Tripp is with her teenage kids opening presents on Christmas morning, and then she ignores the call for Monica, <laughs> and it cuts to Monica, and she's, like, just... In the dark. Sitting in the dark <laughs> with her, her blackout curtains Yeah. On. Hi, you've reached the home of Linda, Ryan, and Allison Tripp. Not available to take your call please leave a message hey i just wanted to say merry christmas and um i just i just want to talk about everything and uh see if you made a decision okay uh 
please just just call me anytime. the sense of like how alone she was yeah you know? it feels so cold they really did a good job exuding i should say clermont tonnerre <laughs> did a really good job exuding the coldness in this particular episode yeah. i really appreciate a sort of anti-christmas christmas episode and i feel like there was a lot of that going on <laughs> right and it was so frustrating for me because i love christmas i hate how much linda loves christmas <laughs> oh my, oh my god. god don't make me have god how did you afford these no I go nuts for Christmas. I know it's maybe not your thing. Oh, please, we're LA Jews. I've been going to Christmas parties since I was born. <laughs> I go nuts for Christmas, so she says. <laughs> out of character to me because I love Christmas yeah. so purely, you know, that like when someone loves Christmas, I want to be like, oh, that means they're soft inside. That means they're, yeah, sweet. Right. For her, like with everything, it's just a it's way like, to ingratiate herself it to was people. Like, yeah. Look at my fabulous Christmas village that I've been curating my entire life. Like, I got on my first trip to Germany, and I was like, all right, good. And, like, does anybody there care? Like, she's giving tours. Like, are people are like, yes, I can't wait to get my tour of Linda's Christmas decoration. Right. Like, yeah. people are into that. Like, they want to see someone's Christmas village shit, but I don't think you need a tour of it. It's yeah. Like, it's on a table, you know? Like, <laughs> there might be some of that for people who are way into that. Yeah. She literally eventually opens a store in Northern Virginia that's Bavarian Christmas shit. And so I guess, like, she's living her dream at that point. Like, just yeah. talking about Bavarian Christmas. <laughs> all year round with people. Right. People think the Christmas store isn't busy. <laughs> Trip at Christmas? Get it. Yeah. God, best movie ever. The antithesis of Linda Trip is Barb and Star. I don't know. There was just also something very disarming about Monica Lewinsky. Like, there's a moment where she she's arriving at this intense Bavarian Christmas thing and she looks at the sign above and it's like all in German. Yes. And Oh, it means Merry Christmas. <gasps> She's maybe the only Jewish person there, and it's, like, just intense. Well, it's just a million like, microaggressions in like, this episode. Uh, like, like, before she got there, Linda was like, I know Christmas might not be your thing. Like, oh, fuck you. Just the way she says that, like, you poor Jewish girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the dress. Oh, boy. I would say this to my own daughter. Hello. Look, I want to feel confident at the interview, and I know I look good in that dress. Well, <laughs> if you think it's flattering, I mean, that's what matters. What? I want you to look thin and beautiful. What does that mean? I'm sorry, but I would want to be told. The truth is, you look heavy in that dress. Are you serious? You touch me. Okay, well... Well, what's more slimming, the peach suit or the, or the dark teal? Your peach suit is exquisite. I think that works beautifully. Oh my oh, god. That was awful. So yeah. horrible. I feel like it was another example of like good advice for a bad reason because I feel like she probably should have kept it you know like mm -hmm. even if she wasn't about to get hosed by Linda herself there's an alternate reality where it could have been helpful for her to have that let's say like no one had ever sold her out but someone still found out about it and asked her to testify and she was testifying honestly you know what I mean like yeah. she didn't have this blind loyalty to Bill and did testify about what happened then like there would have been a smear campaign against her and then they would say she was lying it probably was like a good thing for her to keep yeah um, i mean i can see a way in that like yeah hold on to that <laughs> yeah i mean i can see an alternate universe where people really did care about her as a person and wanted justice for her and did it in a way that didn't destroy her life well it's just basically like because she was victimized yes, <laughs> yeah Bill was asking her to lie for him what if she had not done that you know and then he yeah. would have just been like going out you know he's, like, he's an asshole like i guess it would have been the same angry mob against her but for a different reason or whatever but yeah i mean the problem like, is that she had evidence of what happened and it was relevant in a bigger way and there would be people who wouldn't believe her so yeah but you know what it really is is like it's good for linda that's why linda's saying like hold on to that because i want to write a book <laughs> yeah it's really so clear how much linda was puppet mastering this thing right. for her own gain like 
It's crazy. It really is just this thing that she latched onto and masterminded in such an evil way. Right. Evil self-serving way at every turn. Yeah. It's shocking. And you see like when the FBI agents or Ken Starr's lawyer show up to her house, she's like, oh, I'm going to meet her and I'm going to record it. I'll have a clean tape for you tomorrow too. What do you mean a clean tape? I've arranged lunch with Monica. Tomorrow in Virginia, where they're less dictatorial about single-party taping, I'm going to tape the whole thing, but legal this time. And how are you going to do that? I'm going to wire myself with a recording device. I plan to wear a loose blouse. No, no, no no way. This is an active federal investigation. If you're going to be wired, you're going to be wired by the FBI. Oh, my God. I know. She's so horny for it. see her eyes light up. Getting wired by the FBI, baby. Oh my god, I know. She's so, so fucking moral. into it. I love how Colin Hanks is like the moral center of his episode. Yes. You know, he's like, so you're a friend? This Monica has no idea. Of course not. And I, I, I'm sorry, you referred to this person as your good friend? What's that supposed to mean? Well, I'm just trying to ascertain. Well, I have been Monica's sole support for, for over a year. I've given her my time, my, my counsel, in her darkest, loneliest hour. There was one person she knew would pick up the phone, and that was me. Heather, why can't you just be a friend? Why are you such a mega bitch? Friend? friend I know. Thank you for saying that, Colin. <laughs> I forget his character's name. Mike Emick. Thank you for saying that, because somebody needs to. Like, no one has brought that up yet. I wish Monica had been there to hear that. (laughs) I guess if she'd known this was happening, it wouldn't have gone down this way, but my god. Although at this point, I feel like she really does know that Linda's backstabbing her, but she can't do anything. It's already happening. Right, and I think she's, like, so confused and also so paranoid. She's paranoid because so much shit is happening, and her name keeps coming up, and so I feel like it's easy for her to, anytime she's onto Linda in some way, to just tell her, Oh my god, you're being so paranoid, this is your friend. Yeah, because the truth is way more inconvenient. Right, well, and then also, it's hard to believe that, you know what I mean, if you have a good friend that you talk to all the time, like, it's hard to believe they're actually secretly plotting against you, you know, like, that is a Yeah, it doesn't doesn't go into your calculus. Like, the scene Mm -hmm. where they're both in the car, and she's like, it doesn't make sense, the only person who knows is my mom, and da-da-da, and you. The hat pin? They have intel. The only people that know are my closest friends, my mom, but she doesn't even know any details, and and Bill, and you. Well, Monica, somebody has told them something. Oh, yeah, thank you. You think I haven't been torturing myself about that? That I haven't fucking stopped thinking about that? But I'm going to deny it, and it'll be over, okay? So I'm going to sign that affidavit tomorrow, and you are going to sign one that matches mine, and then we're both going to be off the hook. Hello? Yeah, yeah like, like the happen is so specific. That's crazy. It doesn't compute. Like, how yeah. could your friend do that? You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really, oh, I really felt for her. That scene. And then she, like, constantly is getting gaslit by Linda. Like, Linda's telling her, I think this is worse for me than it is for <laughs> you. You know? know. And, and, like, saying, like, you'll be fine. You have connections. I know this might sound insane. But this whole situation, I think, in a way, it might be easier for you than it is for me. I'm a peon. I don't have powerful friends. I have nobody. But you, I mean, you've got huge heavy hitters in your back pocket. You're protected. What actual protection do you think I have? I am not protected at all. Vernon Jordan got you a big job, didn't he? Yes. I've got the President of the United States looking out for you. Right, and if this gets out, he will hate me forever. Jesus, Monica. It just always comes back to what's best for him. No, Linda. It's me. This is for me. And all you have to do is say that you've never seen the president behave inappropriately with anyone because that is 100% the truth. That scene and then Bill in the office saying, No one supports women more than me. Oh, well, there's awful. that too, but that there was... That was one of my meaningful passages. There was something, he was like, years from now you're going to look back on this time and laugh. Oh, and one day you'll look back on all this and laugh. I'll be some crazy story you tell your grandkids. 
You're more than a crazy story. Oh, oh wow. my god. How fun. <laughs> yeah. You mean a traumatizing story you tell your therapist for the rest of your life? Not like you're gonna look back on this and laugh. I mean, hopefully she can laugh about it now on some level. Just what an interesting thing to say to right. someone. Right. <laughs> the most traumatizing thing of your whole life. Someday you'll think it's funny. And how he has no perspective on how traumatizing this even is. Because yeah, he's just he in his own head of like, everyone's trying to get me and no one understands how much of a feminist I am. Right. Yeah, it's so... Oh, God. What did you say? Just that that was the 60s. Times are changing for women. You know how many women I have in my cabinet? Not off the top of... I mean, there's... um, Janet Reno, first female attorney general. Madeleine Albright, first female secretary of state. Donna Shalala, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Alexis Herman, Secretary of Labor. Carol Browner, EPA. Ida Alvarez, SBA. Charlene Bershevsky, U.S. Trade Rep. Janet Yellen, Chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. No one supports women more than me. Binders of women. I hire women. They think I would harass them. Come on. made me think about nobody supports women more than me and all of these women that he appointed janet reno the press was awful and people were awful about like her appearance yeah and i don't remember him standing up for her or any right. of the women he hired after yeah he did hire a lot of women and they were all scrutinized very heavily and i remember people saying they were diversity hires right and it kind of like gave this and he never of... was like these women are qualified and that's he no, i don't remember him ever being like well you guys need to shut the fuck up because this is why they're qualified. If you really want to support women, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, it just made me feel like it's this way like of putting women in certain categories of, okay, well, you can be a powerful person, but not conventionally attractive, but you... I don't know. Just the way that Clinton has all these women that he's being predatory with, Mm -hmm. and like he chooses these other women that are... I don't know. I guess I just, I'm like, what does he have, like, these, like, categories of women that can be, like, successful or, like, this person can be... I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just made me think of the way that people see certain women, like, you can't be really attractive and also funny. Or oh, totally. Be... I see what you're saying, yeah. Because, yeah, like, so he hired Monica, or he didn't necessarily, but he was, like, supporting Monica in... A sexual way only, when he could have definitely helped her career in a way that didn't ruin her life. Like, he could have actually (laughs) not sexualized her and supported her and given her a good career. But then he's like, well, I don't want to fuck Janet Reno, so I'll just leave her alone. (laughs) Hire her and leave her alone. I don't know. Like, you can be this, but you can't be... Like, women get put in these boxes. Like, you can be attractive or you can be taken seriously. Right, you can only be... be, Yeah, Mm -hmm. and the women that were in his cabinet are all, like, they're not, like... I get... Not conventionally attractive. They're not conventionally attractive. <laughs> yeah. They're older women. And then he has these other women that he sees. And, like, he doesn't mm-hmm. believe all women are equal in that yeah. way. Or, I feel like society has these ideas about women. If you're, like, a character who's, like, fat, you have to be funny or something in the movie. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. There are just all these, like, boxes that women get put in. And it's, like... You can be multiple things. Yeah. Well, that's where the Hollywood comparison is so apropos as well. Is like, that's how movies are cast. Jobs are given in DC the way movies are cast in Hollywood. Like, you can be a young, pretty intern, or you can be a matronly (laughs) cabinet member. I mean, I guess I just look at Clinton as somebody that abuses a lot of them, and he... Anyway, I'm not being very articulate, but... Right, I mean, he's a sexual predator, and it's like, people have a hard time, or have had a hard time getting their head around that, because it's like, oh, but, like, he's a liberal Democrat, like, he's, you know, supports feminist issues, and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he's not, like, grabbing some lady's ass and she didn't want him to, you know? Right. Oh, my God, and then let's talk about his comparison to Kennedy, where he was like, (laughs) Kennedy didn't have to put up with this shit. The governor said, fuck this. Mr. President, this is what they're going to do to you. Yeah, this is horseshit. You should be making a list like this for Paula Jones. We are. When she sits for her deposition next week, she won't know what hit her. But right after that, you're up under oath 
We can't delay it anymore. No, I bet you Kennedy didn't have to answer this shit. Yeah, well, that was the 60s. Excuse me? Hey! So he's like, I'm like Kennedy, and Kennedy was allowed to just harass whoever he wanted. Why do I have to deal with this? And then he gets so mad when that guy's like, well, it was a different time. Right, <laughs> right. Like, he's like, so what are you talking about? That makes him so mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, you were the one who just compared yourself to the president right. in the 60s. Like, what's different now, Well. Different. Yeah. <laughs> but then are they though? Because it's funny when they, I think the guy literally says like it's different now for women. And he even kind of waits. There's like an ellipsis in his line or it's different now for women. And it's like, is it though? <laughs> right, right. A little bit, but little not bit, enough. Yeah. Not enough. Right. Like it's still a huge problem for women. They still get harassed. There right. might be consequences, but the chances are much more likely that the consequences will be for them more than the man still. Oh my god. Janet Reno and Janet Yellen and Madeline Albright, mm-hmm. they were all like ridiculed for their appearance. Like yeah, or, or like they like... were manly or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's like played Janet Reno on uh, SNL, I forget. It was like either like Will Ferrell or Dana Carvey or something. I think it was Will Ferrell, yeah. I want you to shut up if you can and listen to what my next guest has to say. He was named Associate Attorney General in 1981, but now he's just the mayor of New York. So, ugh. please welcome super hunk Rudolph Giuliani. Yeah, right. Will Ferrell. And like John Goodman played Linda Tripp. Yeah. We grew up in such a fucked up time. Not that yeah. we grew up in the 90s, but like the 90s, I feel like we're really bad for wearers. <laughs> like that was like such an insult to women to be like, what a dog you are. Yeah, you, like, you get a guy to this, used to play you on SNL. You get to yeah. this high level and, and have been appointed to the cabinet executive branch and you're ridiculed for being a dog. I don't yeah. know. I was a teenager. I'm like... When there's, wow, like, so uh, many legit you, criticisms for Linda Tripp, like, that she's right. a bad yeah, person. Yeah. Waco, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I burned a bunch of people down, you know? But, like, my bad. Know, like, Mea culpa, which Linda says at one point in oh, this episode. Right. As if that's an apology. That was, like, so funny. Mea culpa. <laughs> If Janet Reno or something had been like a conventionally very attractive woman, like I'm sure she would have still been ripped to shreds. But right. it's like, oh, obviously she slept her way to her job. Yeah. yeah. A woman comes into the public eye and you find out how much people hate women. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I know. I mean, we don't even need to get into the 2016 right. election, right? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> we hate women so much. <laughs> Woo, boy. Yeah. And there's just so many reasons to not like Linda. She's the worst oh person. Gosh, so She's bad. such a bad person. Like her whole complaint to Monica when Monica's like, will you please lie because this is my life we're talking about and she's like this is also happening to me that i promise him that i monica tell anybody monica you are asking me to commit it's a crime lying, and also this isn't only happening to you it is also happening to me i'm a single mother i'm a political appointee i have to be careful <laughs> but the reason this is happening to her is because she right. literally made fucking it made it happen yeah, yeah. i was like a little <laughs> bit team nobody on that because i feel like i don't know you can really ask someone please commit perjury yeah you know i mean like, i don't i don't <laughs> That's kind of a big ask, you know? Yeah. And especially, like, from her assuming, because she doesn't Mm -hmm. know, like, how much Linda orchestrated this, so... Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I would ask somebody to do that. Yeah. I mean, or at the very least, I could understand if someone said, like, I just don't feel like I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her response is interesting. (laughs) It's not like, no, I don't feel right doing that. It's like, this is my life, too, and it's so hard to watch because we know that it's only because she made that happen. Right. That's why I was real team nobody. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, the way that she just has no empathy for what Monica's going through. She's like, I need to talk to my lawyer. Or, you know, like, just, Mm -hmm. uh, Monica. (laughs) (laughs) Monica. Yeah, she's acting like, well, I'll get back to you about this. Right. I have to really think about it and talk to my lawyer. When she goes, she marches into the lawyer's office with the tapes and she's like, already got her yeah. plan. That is such a fucking sweet scene, though, when the lawyer's yeah. like, like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> so super illegal. My calls with Monica. You've been taping her. And does she know? No. She had no idea. Where were you calling her from? My house in Columbia. Linda. 
That's a felony. What? You cannot secretly tape phone calls in Maryland. It's a two-party consent state. I was told it was fine. By who? My literary agent. I'm your lawyer. Why didn't you ask me? <laughs> I don't even want to touch these right. things. I love that though. She's just like, my literary agent told me it was legal. I know. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mark Martin. You said taping phone calls was entirely fine. Well, it is in New York. Well, not everyone lives in New York. Yes, I never understand that. This is serious. Uh. Like, uh, Linda's like this mastermind in so many ways, and it's like, wow, you did not even a little bit follow up on like making sure yeah. you can do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should definitely trust Lucianne Goldberg's nice little things. Oh, well, you can in New York. Right. I, I love know. that too. Like, it's like New Yorkers think New York is the whole world, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I really love her character. She's got that fancy gold telephone <laughs> and then like always has an olive martini in her hand. Yeah. She's a like every time you catch her, she's like, I'm just having a drink and a smoke <laughs> in my fancy ass apartment. She's obviously like so chaotic evil. <laughs> it's great. It's such a wonderful character. What a great choice for that actor. <laughs> character actress Mark Martindale, exactly. Whoa, what dereliction is this? When you get to heaven, look up Margo Martindale. I won't be there, but my movies will! scene where Monica, like, I guess, like, Monica. To, to Monica, like, to back up, like, with the Clinton scene, like, he's just so, so gross to me, like, how much he treats her like a child, yeah. you know, like, be a good girl. Oh. And he's like, this is a bear, oh, and it stands for courage, so when you ever get scared, hold him tight. You know, a bear symbolizes courage, so in your new life up there in the big city, when you need to be strong, just hold him close. Like, yeah, what the, what the fuck? fuck? <laughs> you know, like, and then he kisses her on the head yeah, like, a, like yeah. she's a child. I just found that so gross. Good luck in New York. Be good. It is really gross. It's disgusting. It would be fine if it were like, I feel very paternal towards you, like, without wanting to put my dick in you. Maybe, I don't know if it'd be fine, but it'd be one thing if it's like, I just really care about you and want the best for yeah. you, but it's... Not that at all. That's not what's going on there. She's like, you're my whole world. Oh. She's so, so heartbreaking to see. You know, like, she's leaving the Oval Office and, like, he's just kind of, like, handled, you know, like. I'm, totally. He fucking checks that shit off his list, yeah. practically. That's how he's a supporter of women. Right. <laughs> I manipulate them and make sure they're not going to fuck me over. I know. He's like a stuffed animal. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) And she's like, I was literally just ordered to turn in every gift you ever gave me. (laughs) And then he's always like, it's fine. It'll be fine. I just keep thinking about the witness list and the subpoena and the happen. You'll be okay. He always says that. I can see why she'd want to believe him, but... It doesn't it doesn't matter to him. Yeah. And he assumes that it will be fine for him, and that's literally all that he right. cares about. Little does he know that he's putting the nails in his own coffin at that moment. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. It's kind of, in, like, hindsight, everybody here is an idiot. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, what does that A stand for when she's she's yeah. got, like, a little A, a scarlet letter A oh. on her chest? Because I know she it used to be an I for intern. But it's like, whenever she's visiting now, she gets an A. Yeah, I don't know. Can't think of what that would stand for. Other than the obvious. It's just like a grouping of like, this is class A. Like what level? I have no idea, obviously. I mean, I'd like to think that that was a legit thing. They do seem to be generally pretty concerned with details and... Yeah. accuracy and a lot of like they will combine stuff like they did for the jake tapper thing where they just kind of like made it all one scene or whatever but they generally are pretty 
detailed. So it seems like they wouldn't have put that there if it weren't something that really happened. The A stands for aid. Because otherwise it's just so on the nose. Yeah, I really was saying ew, ew, ew a lot yeah. in this episode. Yeah. My notes are filled with ewes. Yeah. <laughs> in the scene when uh, Paula Jones is being questioned. Yeah. It's a real rough one. Oh, yeah. Of... It's so hard. Also, like getting questioned about his dick. You filed an affidavit claiming that President Clinton's penis has a distinguishing characteristic, is that correct? Yes, um, it's got sort of a, a U-turn in it. Oh, you also made a statement that uh, the president's penis is small. Have you ever taken an anatomy course, Mrs. Jones? No, I haven't. And your husband, Stephen Jones, was he your first sexual partner? No. So I'm left to gather that your ability to tell whether a man's penis is small or large is based on opportunities you've had to view other male penises. Is that correct? Like, did you take an anatomy class or something? It's like, you know what a dick is supposed to look like? Come on. Imagine, like, being a serial predator and you have a weird dick like that, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, she has a husband. I don't know. It's just, right. like, so, like, oh, you've seen a lot of dicks, have you? Like, right. I've seen dicks. Yeah. Haven't you? Right. <laughs> what they're saying is, like, you've barely seen dicks, so you don't know his is weird. What are you even talking about? I mean, it's, like, so strange. Except then they're like, oh, right, but except yeah. for this guy that said that you yeah, sucked three dicks at a party. Blowjob parties. Well, if you had that testimony, then you already know I've seen at least one, you know, whatever. Like, if you're going to believe that right, guy. Well, which is it? Like, yeah. Right. Have I seen too many dicks or not enough dicks? Right. <laughs> what are you trying right to, to see? It's so hard to see, like, I mean. <laughs> the right amount of dicks. Yeah, the right amount. It's so hard to see the right amount of dicks. Uh, <laughs> she's not highly educated, and she is very deferential to the lawyer and being compliant with the process, but she's being eaten alive by <laughs> the lawyer. And she's also it's being hard manipulated. To see somebody yeah. being fucked over so much like that and she seems so trusting too uh, yeah yeah and then like her mom who came mm -hmm. from the country somewhere to like meet with her and she sees judith light and she's like i heard you got an offer for all this money mm -hmm. and, like judith light she's like well it's not enough for our paula we need to right Jeez, wow it took everything out of me to drive down here today huh? just so you know <laughs> loud elk is a half hour from here on interstate 40 you know i hate driving that thing but i will to see my paula oh mama you know your sister told me you got offered money to settle. Yes, they did try to throw a check at us to make this all go away. But any settlement needs to start with an apology to our Paula. You know what? I'm gonna go check us into the restaurant. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what this one was like when she was a little girl. Oh, Paula Poo. <laughs> and she kind of puts on a southern accent a little bit too yeah. in that scene, yeah. I noticed. Oh, was... Paula Poo. Yeah. No, I just, it's so gross. These people are just like vampires. Mm -hmm. It just sucks. Like so many people get screwed over and it's hard to watch that shit. It is. <laughs> Especially when Annalise Ashford plays Paula Jones so sweet. I know. I know. So good. Oh my gosh. She's like, I got people taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And then off. Oh. That they offered you seven hundred thousand dollars. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's a lot of money. I know, but Susie and Steve thought that it wouldn't be right if I took it. Look, Paula, how are you staying here? Who's paying for all this? Well, Susie has some really powerful friends. Oh, and I they bet. Got me a new lawyer and everything. I'm worried about you. I mean, you're gonna be going into that courthouse, and they're gonna be asking you questions. I'm gonna be okay, Mama. I got people looking out for me. Paula? Mama? <laughs> They're ready. Do just watch out for her. Okay. And then she has that meeting with the lawyers, and then afterwards she's like, I didn't think it was gonna be like that. I thought you were gonna protect me, and... You have no idea what all they said. It was horrible. They acted like it was true. <laughs> Susie, you didn't tell me it was gonna be like that. You said it was gonna be okay. I'm sorry, Paula. Now you listen to me. These are ruthless, terrible people, but they are not going to win. They have no idea how hard it's about to get for him. No idea. It's very dismissive. Everything that Judith Light says is like... How can Judith Light 
not have prepped her for being eviscerated like that about her personal sex life. They're going to be ugly. They're going to do that. Right. You should how could you not be prepped? Like, how could you... Yeah, I'm not sure how that would be even beneficial for her side to not prepare right. her to, like, have her be blindsided. I, yeah, I didn't get that part at all. How could you not have prepped her for this? Unless she really just doesn't care, but I don't know. Or maybe, like, she knew what they were throwing at her would be untrue, and she wanted that, like, genuine, surprised reaction from her. Mm. So that it doesn't seem, like, fake, you know? You yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there could be that. I mean, it's like, there's no excuse for it, like, at all. It's, like, indefensible, and, like, maybe yeah. that's her reason. You know? But just trying to, yeah, just trying to find your reasoning. <laughs> like, why like would you do... they're gonna throw stuff that isn't true, and she's gonna have a genuine reaction to it. Yeah. Everyone's so bad. Everyone's so bad. bad. Except Colin Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Although he does work for Kenneth Starr, so I know, I he can't like, be great. But he did have you did make a couple good points. <laughs> I don't think it was him, but someone in that group was like, "It's good that there's evidence because the jury would fucking hate that lady." No, it was him. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could kind of segue into meaningful passages because that was one of mine for sure. <laughs> I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick. You know what I mean? This is bigger than Whitewater. Fuck that, it's bigger than Watergate, man. We have tapes. Watergate had tapes. And thank God we do too. Because the jury would fucking hate that lady. It's fun when you're involved in a lawsuit and you know a jury would hate a person. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt for... I assume that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt for Linda's daughter. She's like bringing the Christmas ornaments like, well, this is your favorite part. I need a minute. Uh, yeah, this is your favorite thing. <sighs> I just, I have to do a call. Just need a minute. Her mom is constantly on the phone with like <laughs> a 20 or 23 year old yeah that must have been really awful to like (laughs) see your mom go into this alternate reality and become obsessed with yeah i mean i don't know how much she knew at the time but you gotta know something's going on with mom (laughs) yeah it just seemed like that would be rough growing up in that house i did read an interview with with the daughter uh recently about the show and she said that it was an interview but i don't know i just heard that she said somewhere that she thought Linda would have liked this portrayal of her and thought they really did get her side of it. I do believe deep down she thought she was doing something for a greater good. It's just probably greatly blinded by other factors mm-hmm. and didn't, didn't think about the consequences on this, as we were saying, terribly, terribly young woman. You did hear, you got some feedback from, uh, I think it was, we were talking backstage, one of the daughters, yeah. one of her daughters. I Allison, don't know. Yeah. Allison, who is featured in the show quite heavily as we go along. I was very moved by what I read that, that her daughter said. And for me, uh, as far as critics go, it's the only thing that mattered to me that she, in fact, at least as far as seeing the first episode, she made it very clear where she was like, I've only seen one <laughs> and I may not hold on to this thought by the end of it, which is totally fair. But it, it meant that maybe, you know, she sort of said she wished her mother could, could have seen it. And that really to me nice. is single tear. Yeah, single yeah. tear. Wow. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it's supposedly pretty accurate. I mean, I guess, like, she probably doesn't think she did anything wrong. Yeah. You know? Like, so... Because she's continuously twisting what's really happening and being self-righteous about it, so. Yeah. I listened to this podcast on, it was like a sleep podcast. It was her, like, last interview. Um, oh. The journalist went to her Christmas shop and, like, oh. spent the day with Linda Tripp. Really? And, like, she's still talking about it, like, I knew if I didn't do something, there was going to be a Mack truck in my future. Or, like, she really talks, like, her life was on the line, you know? <laughs> wow. Like, there was going to be an accident. Or, you know? <laughs> wow. It's just crazy. What did she think is going to happen? I know. She's always saying, like, yeah, I'm a single mother. I need to protect myself. Like, just stay out of it and you'll be protected. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you might have to go to court and testify for one day, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> what the fuck do you think is going to happen to you? Oh, yeah. So we're doing meaningful passages. Oh, right, right. I wrote, I assume you'd all come briefed. You called us. I'm in a terrible situation. Facing prison, or worse. All because I've borne witness to a series of ongoing crimes. What crimes? Were you not all briefed? I assume you'd all come briefed. That is so funny. <laughs> Make sure. She's like, you haven't been briefed? 
You mean to tell me you haven't been briefed? My most meaningful was no one supports women more than me. And the thing I just said, the jury would fucking hate that. Yeah. yeah I, loved, <laughs> I really, really liked that. I loved that too. And I love the continuation of the bitterness between Susan and Linda. Like, Susan comes up, your cheese log is so great. (laughs) Your cheese log is so creepy. Not now, Susan. Not now, Susan. Not now, Susan. You too. Why did she even invite her? I do love that later she's like, it was a mistake inviting her. I should get back. Susan has probably consumed my entire cheese log. Inviting her was a misstep. I'm like, what? Why is she there? They hate each other. I, know. I love how much they hate each other. <laughs> I know, not only that she invited her, but then Susan came. Why did Susan right. come even? I know, it's like there was a little olive branch, and then it's instantly it's like, oh, fuck off. Like, goddammit. <laughs> I knew I hated you, Linda. <laughs> that Christmas party scene is so intense. Yeah, when they have like the. Is it Carol of the Bells? Like, that's the yeah. creepiest Christmas song ever. It is. Like, it's like a call to war or something. Steadicam the whole time. It's almost like a drug trip scene. Yeah, you can almost like feel like the anxiety attack yes. that is coming on with Monica. It's a very good rising panic attack scene, I think. That Christmas song is really creepy. I'm just always And just yeah, all the Bavarian Christmas decorations with the zooming it in, like the fisheye and a couple of them. It's really funny. Like Christmas is haunted. Yeah, exactly. Uh I wrote down all the, like, the FBI, I just love the whole scene of them listening in and being like, there it is! Vernon Jordan got you a big job, didn't he? Yes. There it is! There it is! This reminds me like of True Romance when they're all, like, listening. She's a wild man in this Linda trip. Mm-hmm. Could watch that movie right now. <laughs> and then I wrote, all I've ever wanted is for Monica to be okay, because I was just like, fuck you, Linda. Right. I've given her my time, my my counsel in her darkest, loneliest hour. There was one person she knew would pick up the phone, and that was me. All I want, all I have ever wanted, is for Monica to be okay. But I had to protect myself. Thank fucking God I did. Can't believe Linda said that. Yeah. Then just Merry Christmas, Monica. (gasps) I know! But I need to talk to my lawyer before I do anything. What a nuanced line reading on yeah. Merry Christmas. Yes. Bravo, Sarah Paulson. Merry Christmas, Monica. And I also wrote opportunities to view other male penises. Because yeah. <laughs> that was in God. the Paula Jones thing. So I'm left to gather that your ability to tell whether a man's penis is small or large is based on opportunities you've had to view other male penises. It's <laughs> like a rock and a hard place. <laughs> what a sexy question, right. too. Oh, I do have, do we have hot probs? Cause oh, I got right. a couple. Shut up, hot probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. I think there's just the time Monica's sitting in the dark. Um, I had a medium hot prob with, there's a scene where it's like Brett Kavanaugh and he's like, oh, I never take no for yes. Do you think I don't feel like a failure too? We're failures if we quit. What am I, the only one who sees this? Huh? Come on, Kavanaugh. Huh, you don't think we should just quit? I never like to take no for an answer, but Jackie, there isn't a path forward here. <gasps> Like, let's make sure the audience knows who this is. Like, mm-hmm. the guy calls him Kavanaugh, you know. Yeah. Like, all right, we got it. Also, what's the guy's name that Blair Underwood plays? Renan Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah
It's just that the fucking it lighting is like. <laughs> It's the way they're shooting everything. It's like so dark. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I could be wrong about that. It's weird seeing him so old. Yeah, maybe like it's the contrast of his gray hair. I'm not used to seeing. It's still kind of hard to see Clinton and like all the prosthetics. I mean, they made Clinton look like an attractive. I was just like, that's Clive Owen. And I could like hear Clive Owen's British voice. <laughs> Yeah, he does a good Bill Clinton timber, but then there's just something very specific to Clive Owen's speech patterns that are still there and very... You can just hear that every time. I'm always looking for the Clive Owen under the Clinton face. Yeah. I think Clive Owen's such a good actor, but it's really just always hard when you're playing someone so notable, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm still not sure if it would have been better to have him just be Clive Owen and doing the voice and the clothes or whatever, or if the benefits of the prosthetics outweigh the downsides. (laughs) I don't know. Um, We'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) But I made two versions. (laughs) I mean, he looks really, like, really attractive Bill Clinton, like, and I've never really thought... I don't know. I get the opposite. I feel like... Well, Bill Clinton definitely didn't do it for me either, but I'm just saying I feel like the opposite. Like, normally I'm all about Clive Owen, but I'm like, I can't see Clive Owen in there. I can hear him, but I can't see him. Which is good, because I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to see sexy Clive in there. I would ruin it. Uh, he is very hot normally to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's Do we agree on that one? Because, you know why? Because you like British and I like smoldering, and he's like that rare smoldering British guy. He is. Oof. Mm. <laughs> we agree on a guy. I know. Uh, <laughs> so rare. Oh, so my hot prop was Linda telling the FBI lady your one job was to clip it. Oh, clip yeah. the microphone. Get her to talk about Vernon. Oh, Jesus Christ, your one job was to properly clip. Just breathe. Oh, shut up. I know how to breathe. That shut is literally up. not her one job. Right. Oh, I hate in general that like, you had one job. Like, it's almost never true. Yes. You know? <laughs> I know. It's usually the person who has the most jobs that you're right. saying that to. I mean, she will find something to criticize. Right. But especially to women. She's so shitty to women specifically. Like, she's not really talking to the FBI men that way so much. Yeah. A little bit. Like, I can't believe you weren't briefed. But that's different than saying you had one job. Right. <laughs> she's like, I just wanted to protect myself. And thank God I did. <laughs> <laughs> Paulson had a good time doing that. There's so many moments where it's like almost funny, but it's like, oh my god, I can't. Wow, wow. Yeah. And then I have a hot prop that they were eating lunch at 2 45. Right. And how hot was that lunch? Because then when she left, it was so dark out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know it's winter, but it's DC, like not far north at all, you know. Like, how yeah. long was that lunch? That lunch was that so long. Yeah. And then finally, just when Linda's changing her tactic on trying to keep Monica from cleaning the dress, and she says, I want you to look thin and beautiful, and that dress makes you look heavy. I was just, like, so triggered by that, because those are all shit my mom would say to me. And she wasn't even, like, ulterior motives. Like, she was just just negging for fun. (laughs) Like, why would you wear that dress? It makes you look ugly. Like, she would say that to me. Like, your outfit makes you look ugly. If I was wearing a baggy t-shirt, she'd be like, why would you want to look heavy? Like, so many triggered things of, oh, what a fucked up terrible time. (laughs) So Linda really is being the most toxic mom possible to Monica. And where is Monica's mom? (laughs) Is she still just asleep in that hotel room this whole time? I mean, it sounds like her childhood was, like, her parents were, like, Beverly Hills wealthy status oriented like her mom was like some writer i think she wrote a book about Pavarotti, and it's, i think she maybe had an affair <laughs> with him or like with Pavarotti. yeah or was rumored to or something like it just seems like her parents were like not absentee really <laughs> yeah. yeah like it seems like she had a lot of probably emotional neglect in her childhood yeah. and like Seems like like she was always searching for some sort of parental figure and and looking in all the very wrong places. And very, like, love-starved. Yeah. Really, like, for anything. For, like, a crumb of 
anything. Ugh. Yeah. And every single person who filled that role was doing it in a fucked up way. I think she's okay now, but oh, Monica, I'm so sorry. <laughs> God, what a horrible time to grow up. Yeah. Next call. This is just an aside, but there's somebody in the episode eating Five Guys. Is that like a DC thing that started? I like, I had never heard of Five Guys until like Me either. a couple years until ago. Until they or opened at the Thornton Place. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe that was a DC maybe. thing that started there. Probably. I feel like they have a lot of attention to detail. Like, they yeah. would throw in Five Guys if it wasn't there. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, they're really good with the cars, too. They have. All the mise-en-scene is really <laughs> period, period-oriented. Oh, oh well, go ahead. there was a scene, like, where Juanita Broderick, Arkansas... Oh, like, right, yes, we didn't talk about that. The lawyers were coming and... Those were private detectives. Private detectives. Oh. Christian private detectives. That was such a strange time. That was such a... Uh, that was kind of triggering for me, like, just like, are you a Christian, ma'am? It's the past. I don't want to relive it. I'm sorry. Okay, it's just Rick and I have been praying the Lord would send us to the right people. We've been on this a while now, so. Are you a Christian ma'am? Yeah. So is Paula Jones and all of her attorneys, good Christian men. They're trying That's to use true. That, that was as a big like motif. A, a the... manipulation to yeah. like get her to divulge stuff. And then the woman, like the private investigator's like. Just would ask. That you pray on it. That's such a manipulative thing to say. I just, I hate oh, that absolutely. Christianity is used, like, as right. this tool. Yeah, and how Ken Star starts the meeting with the Bible verse. Oh, and right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of just fucked up Christianity in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's perfect for a Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Should we do our poll? Yeah. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. Well, I can start. I'll start for once. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think this was 2007. Was oh, the poll. <laughs> the poll is just Christmas party stories, right? Yeah. To say it's fucked up, it's well, mine's going to be fucked up, but <laughs> memorable Christmas party stories. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to say that this was a Christmas party because that's the kind of office this was. It wasn't a holiday party. It was 2007. I was working at this startup <laughs> that had all kinds of fucked up shit going on. This is basically like the guy who ran, ran this company had just all kinds of like little business deals going on and basically his whole MO was go bankrupt, run it into the ground, Whoa. and start again. Was that the guy that made you watch The Hangover? No, it's a different one. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was my time with like the financial bros. I worked with fi- financial that bros. Went to my orifice. Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he also liked to say, "Let's take a taco time out" a lot. So every time I see taco time, I think about that. That's the only good thing I've heard. Yeah, no, I know that was cute. Everything else was inappropriate. But this is so the rundown of characters in this office. I'm gonna do some pseudonyms here but it was kind of a family business so the ceo was we'll call him larry (laughs) he's like hollywood cheesy he would wear like low-cut shirts with gold chains would love to name drop and be like oh yeah i met beyonce jay-z and i'm I'm in talks with them about something when this was like definitely not true at all (laughs) like i'm sure they blew him off and he probably didn't meet them but they were like oh get this guy away from me and he was like here's my business card and then his dad was like the hr person and then his sister did something there was the whole family thing and then he hired this gross power couple who are conservative Jewish people. The Jewish part isn't really all that important other than they talked about it all the time. Like they were like, we're very important in the Jewish Republican community. And the guy, what did they call him? Morton. (laughs) Morton was like a conservative blogger with a following and he'd been on like conservative talk radio locally a bunch. And then his wife was like always wearing power suits and had like a really bad dye job. And, like, they both thought they were, like, this huge deal when they were really in this sad startup that was definitely on its way to bankruptcy. And this was the first Christmas party, and I'd only worked there for, like, two months. We got there a little late. We weren't even sure we were going to go, and everyone was like, Ah, I can't believe you're you're here. Me and Brugos walked in with, like, the only other normal guy at the, <laughs> at the company and his wife at the time, and we'd gone out for drinks ahead of time because we were like, we can't arrive sober. So... <laughs> 
anyway, we get there, and the first thing that happened is everyone starts exchanging money because they all literally had bets on whether or not we were going to show up. Oh, my God. Like, right in front of us, like, they're handing money to each other. I don't remember who bet what, but... That's awkward. Yeah, awkward. And then the next thing that happened was Morton is like, oh, so you're Chris. I've heard so much about you, and if you are the man who's defiling Jessica, I will have to kick your ass. What? Literally, that's what he said. The first thing he said to my husband, right? Fiance at the time, but. And this man, like, barely spoke to me in the office. It was like, he never spoke, because, like, obviously, once I found out he was a conservative blogger, I was like, we have nothing to talk about, and I think he knew that I was not in the conservative scene either. Was he wasted? Yeah, everyone was wasted. Okay. Everyone was hammered. tracks. Yeah. But, like, that was the first thing he said. And then the CEO, Larry, was like, do you need a drink? And Chris said, like, what do you have for scotch or bourbon or whatever? And he brings back a pint glass filled with bourbon. (laughs) Oh, my God. Fortunately, we weren't driving home. (laughs) And then the only other thing I remember from that party was, like, the IT guy came late. He came even later than us. And this guy literally smelled like had BO problems. Oh no. And was a teetotaler, not that that's a problem, but I just can't believe he did the next thing, the thing he did sober. He and his girlfriend were like, we showed up late, but we arrived prepared to sing a Christmas carol with harmonies. And the two of them just like stand in the middle of the party singing this song that I've never heard before. I don't even remember what it was. Like I'd never, it was like some Christmassy song with harmonies. Acapella stopped the party. Like, we're here, it's time for us to sing our song. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, we were like, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> and, <then> we <laughs> left. and we were in Issaquah, too, by the way, oh like, which God. is very far away from where we are now. Oh, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing was that I spent like a lot of the evening talking to this eight year old because she was like the most normal person at the party. She lived there and she had rats. Like, I remember being like, I don't want to talk to any of these grown-ups. I don't want to talk to the people I work with. And this eight-year-old girl came into the room holding a rat, and I was like, ah, I want to talk to you. And at the time, that was, like, a big deal because I did not know any kids or even know how to talk to kids, really. I was a young lady in my late 20s. (laughs) All right, that's my story. (laughs) Well, I can go next. My story was, it's about, like, a Christmas party at the office. It was a long time ago, but, like, a guy in the office went around and trying to recruit us to, like, sing Christmas songs. Oh, Jesus Christ. For the party. (laughs) And, like, I actually considered it because I was like, oh, that could be fun, you know? And I I didn't end up doing it, but, like, yeah, when they did it, it was, like, kind of, like, religious-y song. I had to, like, kind of leave to not. Maybe that's just Christianity has that effect on me. (laughs) Fair. I was like, oh, my God. This is a little too Von Trappy for me. <laughs> it's a Von Trapp. <laughs> right, it's a trap. That's literally what a Von Trapp is. It's right. like I trapped you into singing songs <laughs> in public when I you didn't like, want to. I feel like I dodged a bullet, <laughs> so that was good. That's oh. my story. <laughs> All right, mine, I don't remember what year it was, but uh, I had a friend, I mean, I guess I'm still friends with her, but like that they... They had, like, a Christmas party every year that was, like, kind of a serious Christmas party. They had friends who, like, played instruments, and it was, like, we're going to sing. It was, like, a sing Christmas carols party, which oh, was actually fun. Was, was it fun? That okay. was fun. Like, I mean, they, it, was, it was, like, see, I just never knew people that did this so seriously, where it's, like, they had, like, a stack of, like, printed songbooks. Oh, you know? Jesus. It was, like, page, like, which one, you know, on the, okay, turn to page, like, 37. And then, <laughs> words, you know, and everything along. Like, a Christmas sing-along that... Salon. Wow. <laughs> I know, that's so Jane Austen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, this is really happening, you know, but it was fun. Like, that was just part of the party, and then the rest of it was just like a regular Christmas party. And how I knew this woman is her daughter went to grade school with Logan, with my older one, right? So it was like around that time, like when my kids were in elementary school. We would do this like a few years in a row, so I don't remember which time this was, but. Oh, it must have been, like, Logan was either in fourth or fifth grade because this mm-hmm. kid only came to that school at that time. So there was a family there. Oh, God. All right, I'll just call him Cucumber Dad because mm-hmm. that's what we call him, although this was before the cucumber story. But anyway, so it was this guy and his wife. They had a kid Logan's age in school, 
and I didn't really know them that well. Like, I really liked the mom and safe space. Like, up until this happened, mm -hmm. I had a little crush on the dad because he's super my type, like mm -hmm. a smoldering hottie ball guy, right? Anyway, so we're all talking, and this is like height of Me Too stuff. Mm -hmm. The way this came up was something about Matt Damon, and it was like Matt Damon had said <laughs> some dumb shit and was getting roasted about it on Twitter. Like, he said some dumb shit about me, too, you know? Yeah. So we were talking about that and saying, like, what a dumb thing that was to say, and everyone's got their stories. And Cucumber Dad starts in, and he, could, and he literally said this. Like, he's like, okay, now I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> Why? No! No! We don't do that anymore. <laughs> She definitely was, well, I can't say, I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. I, Just let I me know when we need to launch the Save Mrs. Cucumber Dance <laughs> campaign. <laughs> So that's how it came up of like when your kids bring terrible kids to your house. Yeah. And this guy starts to tell a story of how his eight-year-old daughter had a friend over who was also an eight-year-old girl. And his wife made this lovely plate of food, like cut up some cucumbers, put out some manchego cheese, <laughs> Cadillac of cheese, right? And crackers put this like nice tray of food out. And this little girl came up and just like grabbed all the cucumbers and started eating them. And he told her, hey, those are for everybody. Those aren't just for you. Put some back. And that yeah. she was a little mouthy about it, was like, oh, I don't care, whatever. And he's telling this story voluntarily, right? And then he said, and I said to her, this is my house. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating no, how he was acting. You're he's not. He's like a big, like, swarthy man, you know, telling about how he really told off this little girl who was disrespecting him in his house. By eating food that they mm -hmm. put out for people. This is his story of a bad kid. Right. This is wow. his bad kid example story. Yes. And then, then the kid like <laughs> started crying and locked herself in the bathroom. And they had, and it was a whole big thing. They had to call her mom to come get her. And then I had to like hide out in the garage. It's my wife. Yeah. And even then, when he said that, like how his wife had to be the one to talk to the mom and tell the mom what happened, you know, and I was like, yeah, like you had to do some damage control there. And his wife was like, yes, that's it, you know. And the, the guy is still acting like, no, like I had to, because I wasn't cooled off yet. Like, yeah. did oh not God. see... How he was absolutely not the hero of this yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so amazing. Right. <laughs> and then I when they left, Brugas was like, okay, I'm team kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all agree we're team eight-year-old girl, right? Right. Like, the crime of eating the food that you put out for your guests. There were vegetables. I don't know. It's like just I would be so stoked if a kid grabbed a stack of cucumbers. Right, right. It's not like oh, you put a bunch of cookies out and she took them all or something. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how we got. So this, the Christmas thing was before the cucumber thing, but he's retroactively cucumber down the story. That guy should like never speak. (laughs) Totally, I know he's before Bean Dad even. Oh yeah, God, I wish he would jump on Twitter and he could so easily be a main character. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was amazing. I know. I just want that story out there. Gonna be out there now. Yay! I can't wait till American Crime Story Cucumber Dad. Oh, I think the next one is gonna be Studio Fifty Four. What's the crime? I mean, besides cocaine, just like tons of cocaine all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe somebody died. No, I feel like there's some murder around. Oh, there, there was maybe a murder, and then they had to shut it down because there was a murder. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. I just saw an IMDb okay. next episode. Well, that's the exciting. <laughs> the next season. Cool. All right. Well, we did it. Episode five in the can. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke. Please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.